This is uh, Ink Studs on CITR 101.9 FM. I'm talking to Aaron Nels Steinke um, from Portland. But you spent some time in Vancouver. I did. um, From 2002 to 2000, the beginning of 2004. Oh, okay. And I went to Vancouver Film School. I, I know some folks that have gone there as well. Yeah. Animation? A lot of people go there. Was it the animation program? Yeah, it was the, the 2D animation, which I think is slowly dying out, unfortunately. Yeah. Technology moves faster than uh, people want it to, maybe. I know. It's mm-hmm. sad. Did you have uh, Marv Newland as a teacher while you were there? Yeah, I did. How was I that? Heard, yeah, your earlier interview with Marv was awesome. He's a pretty he's, small guy. He's a great guy. I think he was... Um, there for story developing classes and all you did was just you handed him your stuff and he would just go over it and he seemed genuinely excited by by everybody it was he was really inspirational because he always found something good in in whoever's work it was but it was yeah. also very constructive at the same time that's good it's uh talking comics with them um is really fun because he just has such a love of them it's just so much passion 
of, yeah. uh, of the arts and so he uh, fits well with the comics community even though he has probably about 10 pages of comics <laughs> um, why the choice to go to Vancouver well when I um, let's see after I graduated high school I just went to community college um, down in Vancouver Washington which is kind of like uh, the worst place to live ever <laughs> <laughs> it's just suburbia it's basically a big suburb of Portland but you have to go over the big bridge but you have yeah, and um, but I li- I lived in Vancouver at the time. I, my parents uh, live out in the woods, kind of outside of Vancouver, mm-hmm. and so I went to community college there. It was just kind of the logical step. I didn't know what I wanted to do, and then I took some animation classes at the Pacific Northwest College of Art yeah. as just like a, a side thing, and that's where I I realized wow I have to be an animator. This is the best thing in the world. And I think it also came about because of uh, discovering the Hayao Miyazaki films. Yeah. And so I just got obsessed, and I knew that I had to be an animator. Like, I was put here on Earth to be an animator. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I went to community college, finally found a school that I could afford, and um, was also close enough to home that I didn't feel like I was... Uh, you know, tra- traveling all the way around the world. So there wasn't any good animation stuff in Portland? No, not really. Um, basically, the schools I was looking at were like CalArts, which was astronomically expensive. What you do <laughs> is you go there for a year, you meet people, and then you, you quit. Um, but I wasn't really up for doing that. Uh, and the Vancouver Film School had a year-long program, mm-hmm. and it was an intensive, and so... Uh, you know, it was either that or go to Sheridan in Toronto also, and that was just not going to happen. Toronto's pretty far, yeah. and it's cold in the yeah, winter and hot in the really summer. Cold. Vancouver's a nice medium. It's very similar to Portland. Yeah, it is, but you have the Georgia Strait and stuff, so it's kind of like it's like a Seattle-Portland, but it, it's also more, it's more of an international hub, I mm-hmm. feel, too. It is. Like, so you always, there's always people doing stuff. There's always people coming and going. And we don't really have that here. Mm. Everyone's just kind of, like, settled. <laughs> <laughs> Go to Portland and settle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a good catchphrase. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's terrible. So, why, what was the pull to comics for you? Um, that was a... I don't know. It was a slow transition, I think. I hadn't really read a lot of comics. I mean, I, I, I grew up with comics, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, comics that I never really read. I, you know, was more interested in just, like, the exaggerated realism of muscles and crap like that, and, um... You're really into Cyberforce? (laughs) 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 All that. I mean, I feel bad. I mean, like, trashing someone else's work, but, I mean, really, it's like, that kind of stuff only appeals to adolescents, you know, and, like, people who are perpetual adolescents, and I don't get the appeal past age 13, yeah, <clears throat> and so I, you know, put that away. I wasn't even doing art for years, and then um, so I, yeah, I went to animation school and fell in love with all these independent animators, um, which is weird because the school itself it trains you to be like to get a job with Disney, that kind of thing. Even though yeah. they shut down all their two D departments long ago, um, long ago, um, the same year I was there actually. DreamWorks and Disney shut down. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> not like I was going to get a job with them anyway. No. Um, 
I think it was Eight Ball. I think it was uh, seeing the movie Ghost World, and actually, yeah, movies like Ghost World and American Splendor kind of made me think about comics. And I'd met Gary Baseman in uh, Ottawa for the Ottawa Animation Festival, mm-hmm. and he was kind of a nice segue. I was like, I liked art and I liked kind of comics at the same time. And then I didn't realize that there was this whole world of good. Uh, I don't know what you call them, uh, better comics. <laughs> <laughs> and, then I, and then I discovered, like, Chester Brown and Joe Matt and Julie Doucet and all those people. Mm-hmm. And I was just, like, hooked. All the greats. The yeah. Canadian greats. Well, except Joe know. Matt. L.A. can have them. Yeah. He's, <laughs> yeah. Product I just of Philadelphia, Montreal, Toronto, and L.A. He's like a melting pot. Yeah. So, when did you start doing your own comics? Um... 2005 I was trying to make some children's books and that wasn't working out and I had some I had a big love for Maurice Sendak and found out that he was a big fan of like old Disney comics and uh, Windsor McKay and then so you know I went through b- back in time like oh who's Windsor McKay I'll you can at, I mean I knew him from animation yeah. but I didn't actually know his Little Nemo strips that's funny and then kind of built up from there um, uh, and then started drawing my own and tried to make this really epic comic and that was just crap and then I just started doing diary comics not really diary comics but just comics in my sketchbook that were looser and quicker and then I finally had like a a story that I thought would be good enough to try to flesh out and self-publish Was that the big plans or the super crazy? Yeah, the big plans number one no, it's your first kind of foray into doing it yourself. Yeah. And then and you got a Xeric grant. I did. I was halfway through it when a friend of mine told me, hey, you should get the Xeric grant. And a friend of mine got it once. And I was like, oh, okay. And, <laughs> and then I, I had to, like, photocopy them and send them six copies. And that was, like, a pain in the ass for me because I had never, like, photocopied anything before. <laughs> I mean, like, photocopied my own work. Yeah. I tried to, like it and make it look nice. And it didn't. It looked like crap, but um, I don't know. They gave me the grant anyway. So uh, is Big Plans an ongoing project? It's debatable. I just finished the fourth one and I might end it there, but I might not. It's kind of one of those things where if I were to continue it, I would have no trouble self-publishing it for the rest of my life, like King Cat or something like that. Like, it's not my main project. Yeah. But I enjoy doing it, and it's something I have to get out. It's it, it's interesting looking at them, because you definitely see uh, your developing style through them, which I really appreciate, this very quick change from the early stuff, from the first one to the fourth one. So is it giving you... Are you finding yourself changing with your work, or... Do you well, feel that? Well, I think I've... I mean, wh- yeah, when you look at big plans one through four, I've definitely started to... I've, I've, I've pared down my style, so it's... There's less uh, cross-hatching or anything. It's more um, clean line. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting. I don't know... I think the next project I do, like a real kind of book thing, I'm going to I'm going to make the artwork more involved and kind of... Uh, um, diverge from where I, I am right now. Like it, it works 
it works for what I've been the stories I've been telling. Mm-hmm. But you can't really get too close to the characters. You can't. It, I have the distance in there somehow with the with the way I draw, and I really like it. I just I think I'm ready to change my style a little bit. One thing I find funny about your comics is you you seem to paint yourself not very flatteringly sometimes. I choose who I uh, I choose who you think I am, basically. <laughs> I mean, like mentioning Joe Matt earlier is that like he's not well he is that guy, but he's not completely that guy. He's choosing to tell you this person, yeah, to give you this portrait, and. I'm choosing to show you... I, I think the, the stories I'm interested in telling, I don't want to flatter myself too much. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be like, hey, I'm the coolest guy ever. Or, um, I mean, self-deprecation is always, you know, a number one joke uh, kind of standby. But also, I'm interested in my own, like, I guess, phobias or, like, uh, not phobias, but paranoias and anxiety and stuff like that, like weird things. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't even, like, the one story that really stuck out to me was the the one, your best story ever, as you, as you like to say, or best memory ever. Oh, that one? Yeah. <laughs> You're a terrible kid. Oh. It's like, I your, know. your brother's I laying it. there dying, and you're like, hey, I got the blue Yoshi. I know. I mean, it that whole comic, I'm surprised it stands out, because um, I did that second issue of Big Plans, not even knowing if I had the grant or I didn't think I was going to publish comics ever again. Yeah. So I, I kind of threw in this, this like, you know, threw in these side stories, and one of them, yeah, was my brother in appendicitis. But it was just one of those good memories. I just, I remembering it, I remember that memory of playing Super Mario World and my brother lying there with appendicitis. Like maybe <laughs> close to dying, and I just remember being so happy and comfortable. <laughs> and I don't know why. What does your brother think about I it? I was very concerned for him, but there was nothing I could do at the moment, and I knew he was going to be okay. Like I, I mean, I, you know, I didn't really know, but I knew my dad would be home soon, and he would take him to the hospital, and. I don't know. It was like the winter and the house was warm. <laughs> so. And you got the blue Yoshi. And I got the blue, yeah. Yeah. I once was a weaker soldier hanging in the war But I left like an egg folded neatly in four and silently played for a moment slow and bled on a sand but I had Where was the field By crying and shouting I turned away from that And into this 
Tell me about your uh, uh, Academy Awards experience. Um, so after I graduated from Vancouver Film School, I went back to living with my parents, which was great. Um, and one day, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I wanted to be an animator, but I didn't have the money to produce my own films, and mm. I definitely wasn't going to get a job working for Pixar. Uh, and so that's kind of the state I was at, just this loser living with his parents, uh, post-grad. And then uh, a friend of mine called me up who uh, worked at the um, Academy's um, archiving department, mm -hmm. and she had an extra ticket for the Academy Awards. I guess it was like the last time they ever gave interns tickets, maybe because of me, who knows. Um, <laughs> and so I went, I was like, I, at the drop of a hat, you know, I was like, all right, fuck it, I'm going to go down there, I got to go down there. And uh, I don't know, it would be fun. It's like, I've always wanted to go to the Academy Awards. Um, and so I went, and it was kind of weird, like, the, the friend I, who took me, we were good friends in high school, like really good friends, and we would still be good friends now, but there was definitely like some kind of distance that grew between us, and so like it was obvious through this time at the Academy Awards, like, you know, I wanted to have fun and like meet people, and she didn't, yeah. and it was really like awkward. It was like, y you invited me here, yet I can't actually have fun, so mm. I have to, but then I ended up getting trashed anyway and acting like an idiot. <laughs> um, but you know, had a good exactly time. Like, what, what's that? But you had a good time. I had a great time. I mean, I woke up feeling like crap, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Do you ever hear uh, Jim Blanchard's story of sneaking into the Academy Awards? Oh, that sounds familiar. He did he? Did you interview him about that? Or? Yeah, and he like met Kira Kurosawa. Oh my God! Yeah, that's be my dream. Yeah, can't do it now. Uh, Chris, that was my favorite. Yeah? Is cinema a big thing for you? Yeah. Definitely. So I, I don't... Um, I don't feel... Well, I guess your one... Your 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 book, Neptune, that kind of has the most cinematic feeling. But the rest feel just so, like, short and concise. Yeah. Um, I would love to do longer works that are more cinematic. But it takes so much time. <laughs> well, I think my next my next project will be that kind of thing it'll be a big kind of cinematic thing and I've had it in my mind to do something like that all along it just I needed to work up to it mm -hmm. and so producing shorter stories um, consistently over the years has kind of I've, I've, I finally feel like I'm at that level where I can sit down and tackle this project you know you know, no matter how many years it takes I can actually get it done and not feel like uh, it's but, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Do you feel like there's a balance between telling stories about yourself and telling fictional? Or are you trying to create a balance? I'm, yeah, I'm interested in telling both. I think uh, what drew me to autobiographical autobiog comics originally was that uh, telling them and reading them, I, they, always, they always come off as being honest. Like, yeah. this is actually something that's kind of true. Like, I can believe it. I'm not being lied to. Yeah. And if I were to, like, create something that is supposed to be, like, pretty real, like, based in real life, I couldn't do it without referencing myself. And I like drawing myself, so why don't I just 
tell about myself. <laughs> and then there's the other side. Like, I like to make up fantastical kind of uh, stories. Like, the Neptune is kind of like if I were to make a Miyazaki film or something like that, you know? A little more subdued than a Miyazaki film. Yeah. Wait, subdued how? <laughs> well, you, you're not in this fantasy other world with... Oh, yeah. What about the flood, though? The flood. There's the flood. Okay. The flood feels almost biblical, though. Yeah. Kind of. Um, is uh, doing more children's-based stuff a focus for you now? That you've kind of, like, worked out your kinks more? I want to do both. I want to do uh, adult. <laughs> how, how do you say that? I want to do content that's for adults, that's non-sexual, and uh, I want to do kid stuff, too. You want to do thinking man's comics. Yeah, I want to do thinking, stuff that's boring for kids, and I want to do kid stuff also. So, right now, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I don't want to mention the publisher or anything, but I'm, I'm doing the super crazy cat dance book as like a kid's book mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm expanding the artwork and it's going to be full color and so that'll be like my first real like kids book published um, and then after that I'm definitely going to be like sick of doing kids stuff and I want to do a more um, thinking man's type <laughs> I, I like I like thinking man's oh yeah me too definitely <laughs> I think uh most adults do. <laughs> now, you're doing the book in color. How is that for you? Because everything else you've done, except for a couple of covers, have been all black and white. I love working in color. I just, I mean, black and white always made sense because it was economical. Yeah. And then also, like, there's something really appealing about black, black and white comics for me. It's, I don't know, it's like you're reading the artwork like you would read the text or something. It's like, this is it. There's nothing else to it. It's like, this is a very readable image. Mm-hmm. And if you add color to it, 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 it's a whole different thing, and you can really mess up color if you don't spend a lot of time with it. Um, that's why I really like spot color. Like, I really like comics that, like, um, Kevin Heisenga's Ganges. Yeah. Like the way he does the color in that book in particular, it's basically like, like a, three different tones of color, and then some... Uh, uh, Zipatone kind of patterns in there, and it 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 does everything you need, really. Mm-hmm. And then um, Joe Matt with his green. Yeah, that's a, yeah, he, he, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. I mean, it's not like the best. No, I mean his comics are awesome. I love his comics, but like, like he it could have been in black and white, and I would I would have liked it equally. Yeah, it, it didn't really enhance a whole lot for me. Um, but I mean, Kevin Heisenga definitely is uh, well above the curve than most yeah, people as far as the coloring helps a lot. Like it really adds another dimension to it. Mm-hmm. And but with the cat book, I'm I'm doing all the colors in the computer, and it's going to be full color um, because it it was originally black and white. And little, if I were to add spot colors, it wouldn't it wouldn't enhance it at all. It would just make certain things de- pop out that I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And it's... So. But it'll, it'll look good. I'm really excited. You've got three cats, right? Yes. <laughs> what are their names? Uh, Epi, Pele, and August. But, I mean, we don't really call them that. Like, 
August has several different names. This is probably driving all your listeners away talking about cats right now. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I think I call I call Augie Mr. Man and the Ogs and uh, the I don't know. He's got lots of names. How has uh, living in Portland been uh, beneficial for your comics? Because I know uh, you've been pretty tight with folks like Dylan Williams. Yeah. Um, when I started doing comics, I thought, hey, I live in a town full of comic people. Um, I want to make comics and meet these people because that would be easy. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like, I somehow it turned out I live, uh, like, five blocks away from Dylan Williams, my uh, one of my publishers, and I live right in between him and Jesse Rayclaw. Um, I have, there's a lot of good comics people in Portland. Um, we used to have comics drawing night and stuff like that, and it was always a lot of fun, really encouraging. Um, and I, I think it's definitely helped. Like, if I didn't have friends who were doing comics, like, I don't, I don't think I would feel as legitimate or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there. I have a, you know, it's it's a very supportive group of people, and I never had that with animation. It seemed like when I was trying to be an animator, everybody was trying to get ahead, and nobody cared about anybody else's work. It was always just like. And I wasn't even in that world for very long at all. But when I hit, when I met comics people, it was always like really supportive, and nobody was really trying to like climb the ladder of anything. It was just like we're making artwork that we like, and here it is. Well, uh, yeah, I think one thing with the uh, with the animators is like they don't have as they're not as creative in their outlet. Um. I mean, well, when you're producing someone else's yeah, art, and that's it's, what, it's yeah, really it's, difficult. Yeah. Like someone like Marv, on the other hand, is you know incredibly creative and doing really fabulous stuff. But you know, when I mean animators, I mean folks that do storyboards for you know yeah. blank. That, that's cartoon. something I could not handle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like how can you? I don't know if you have your own story you want to tell. How can you work for somebody else to tell their shitty story? Yeah, like it just it is, and and then to be you know constantly. It, I don't know. I I can't do collaborative work. <laughs> it doesn't unless I was in charge. It just it just would not jive with me. So that that means you feel most comfortable writing and drawing yourself. Definitely. Yeah. If I could do animation again, I would love to. But there's just it's so difficult to make your own film. Takes so long. Um, and then in the end, who is actually going to see it? It's going to be up on YouTube for free, and it's going to look like crap. Yeah. That's something uh, Marv had mentioned is just the fact that you kind of lose a lot with just how everything's just kind of in a vacuum. Yeah. I guess. I, do. I mean, after I got done with film school, I had uh, the French Council of Canada and the Vancouver Film School give me the scholarship, so I went to the, the Annecy Animation Festival in France, and then I went to Ottawa, and my, my film went to Ottawa, and... Uh, there was like this Fred Crippen retrospective. Um, he's his animator is really funny. He's been around for a long time, mm-hmm. and there was like five people in the audience, 
And this is like the good stuff you're supposed to go see. Yeah. While everybody else at the festival was there for like the television conference thing. Like they're just business people, you know, like trying to sell some crappy TV show. Mm -hmm. And so like there's all these really good films being played here, but very few people are there to see those films. There's and it just really made me realize that there was no future in animation for me unless... You know, I could I could live in Canada and get like a film film board grant, but the NFB. I don't live in Canada, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're Canadian always welcome. <laughs> I might be. Well, actually, I am Canadian. Are you? My dad was naturalized into the U.S. when he was 15, and recently, like a, a law got overturned, where he is now a Canadian citizen again, and I am too if I file the paperwork. Well, well, so you're you're welcome here. You know, well, we've got a if it wasn't so damn cold and far away from my family, we would be there in a second. Vancouver's not cold. I know it's not. <laughs> Vancouver is only Vancouver. I know. It's and it's very expensive here. It's it's funny. Like it's I'm reading. Not, your, it's uh, expensive, but it's you know, it's like Seattle. I mean, it's not like San Francisco or New York. Oh, it's. It's changed a lot in the last couple of years. Oh, because the Olympics and all yeah. that crap. It's really expensive now. Uh, like you're looking. They're at gonna they're gonna shut down your station because I I badmouth the Olympics. Oh, don't worry, <laughs> don't worry. I badmouth them on a regular basis. Okay, good. Um, I was here when everyone was protesting it. Um, it was like they were bidding for the Olympics. Yeah. And there was just like mobs of protests on the street. And I was like, down with the Olympics. Well, we just we we know what's going to happen. We've had oh, we, yeah. we had Expo here in 1986, so we know what's going to change and how it's changing, and it's not good. And it's well, I mean, they're going to have to displace that homeless population, and yep, they already built that highway, or is it is it finished? Which the gateway the highway thing? to Whistler? Oh, I don't know what's going on there. I don't leave the city. Yeah, and it's like what like a couple construction companies that are making all the money. Yeah. And then everyone else is fucked. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. No, it's it's a mess. And, like, the Olympic Village, they're supposed to have uh, low-income housing, and that got removed recently, kind of off the record. Like, not a lot of information was, you know, it wasn't widely said, but they advertise it as, yes, there's going to be low-income housing in the Olympic Village. Well, no, it's all going to be sold off as condos. Ah. Uh, yeah. Hate him. Yeah. Going on. It's uh, it's not a good time, and that's funny because like w when reading your story in Paper Cutter, and you're like you're in a house, and I'm like, you guys have a house? Oh, that's that's like that's not even me. That's we're not even talking about that. But that's my 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 fiance owns a house. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> I mean I was yeah I can't afford a house. <laughs> Still though, you guys have a house. I'm negative forty thousand dollars in debt right now, so. Well, not negative. Uh, I am forty thousand. Yeah. Be like negative would be like people yeah, owe you. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Bring it on. Yeah. But it's a nice house. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love living here. Portland's neat that way, where all the everything's really spread out, and there's no like tall buildings. It seems like. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I read this Morris Berman book called like, uh, I don't know, America sucks basically. And he like says the only good thing about America is Portland, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a and it, and it was a fluke because it was like trying to be like Europe. And it's like okay, all right. 
I don't really. I guess we were kind of modeled after Zurich, and we had some good laws that were passed and stuff. And you know, I mean, I'm a bike commuter. Everybody bikes here. Not everybody, but like seven percent. Yeah. And it's easy to get around. There's not a whole lot of hills. I mean, the only problem is the rain, and you're used to that. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, you see, we have hills here. We have a lot of hills. Yeah. And the rain, so really, it just sucks. <laughs> and you have, and you have the Georgia Strait. The lovely but the bridges Georgia aren't Strait. really that good to cross. Like Burrard's really the only bridge you can bike across, isn't it? Yeah, and they've actually got a bike lane now. Yeah, but it's like if you're ever walking across that bridge, it's like scary. It's bad it for both people. Yeah. Oh, people get hit all the time just yeah. accidentally falling into traffic. Yeah. 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 Vancouver sucks for biking. It should be so much better. It it should be, but uh, we don't like people here. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of rollerbladers, though. Then there's rollerbladers. <laughs> <laughs> Stanley Park rollerbladers. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's on my hate list. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're just having a good time. My my friend keeps telling me I need to have a hate list and and tell people what I hate because I complain about every, everything every week. Just no, just make a hate list. Just things oh, you don't okay. like. You know, it's, uh, what else do you hate about Vancouver? <laughs> oh. What do you hate about Portland? Uh, what do I hate about Portland? It's six hours away in America. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, unfortunately... I don't have a passport, so getting down there isn't a, a possibility too much until I get one. So, that's all right. Hey, one thing, yeah, we have we have easy access to good beer. That's true. Vancouver does not. Oh, we have beer. I know, but, like... I don't know. I remember living up there, and it was like, if I had to get beer, I had to plan at least eight hours in advance because any liquor store you go to, oh, it's changed. All the beer's warm, and well, then you have to like refrigerate it. We have cold beer and wine stores now. <laughs> you have what? We have cold beer and wine stores now. Oh, really? Yeah. You gotta get them in grocery stores. I know. I know. One. That one fooled me with the non-alcoholic Becks. <laughs> hey, it's probably the same price as American Vex. Yeah, probably. It's uh, no. so. What comics do you have coming out in the future? The Neptune just came out a little while ago. Yeah, Neptune came out, and Big Plan Four came out, but it's all molasses with distribution for me because, um, was because I'm doing it myself. Um, yep. And then, then I'm redoing the Cat Book, and. That's it for now. I'm, I'm working on another project, but it'll take a little while. And not to forget that you're also an issue of the wonderful paper cutter. I'm in two issues. Of you're in two cutter. issues. Yeah, I have a one page in number seven, and then uh, I have the cover and, and uh, leading story. Nine. The leading story, but everyone picks it up for Helen Joe. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she she doesn't have enough comics yet. I know, but she's like. Huge. I know. Everyone loves Gin and Jam. It's a know. good comic. It's really it's, good. It's on a top, lot of top lists. But I think the thing I love about your comics is they're so easy to read. I just like I pick one up and just like go right through it. Thanks. Yeah. So. I want to do the whole Nancy thing, right? Like mm. it's harder to not read it than it is to read it. Yeah. And you know that that's something I find doing the show is I get a lot of comics. I read a lot of comics, and there's some that give me a headache after a while. Like, yeah, I, I want it to this. be an enjoyable experience. Like, yeah. I want you to be able to read the comic and not struggle. Like, um, I mean, every line is 
it has a purpose. You know, every word has a purpose. I've really tried to edit my comic so it reads to the most effective, uh, most effectively possible. Mm-hmm. Well, it shows and it works. Oh, thanks. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you. And uh, I hope you have a swell there, day there in Portlandia. I will. Mm-hmm. Have a good day in Vancouver. Well, I-